BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. Man, you look at the pitching matchups for the Seattle series on the road and you go, Domingo Herman starting us off against, uh, you know, a guy we never hit. Yeah, that could go well, but probably going to be a loss. Uh, Logan Gilbert, Nestor Cortez, yikes. No thanks. Don't want to watch that. Probably a loss. Nope. 10-4 win. Another giant blowout win the day before. Third one, George Kirby and Clark Schmidt. Ugh, that's going to be a blowout. Well, Clark Schmidt held his own. Yankees lose this baseball game because they don't hit at all. They don't score any runs, even a little bit. But that's a pretty good series in Seattle that easily could have been a lose-all-three situation. First game of the series, Yankees hit a guy uh, they've never faced before with a 1-1-3 ERA entering this. When's the last time the Yankees have put up uh, 10 runs all in when the starter was a guy with a 1-1-3 ERA who they'd never faced before? That's a, There's a 0% chance they hit that guy, but they did. Uh, what are the odds they hit Logan Gilbert, who shut him down uh, several times over the past several years? Very low and yet they mash him to 10 runs, three games in a row. It's a shame this podcast comes after the third game where they score zero runs, and Anthony Volpe has a bat at that in extra innings, and Isaiah Contrafalefa, who we've written about getting the job done, gets runners on the corners and no outs in the extra frame and doesn't get the job done. But you know what? You're going to lose some games, and winning two out of three in a road series in the matter they did is, is probably more impressive uh, than losing the last one is impactful, especially since – what like you're gonna say so they obviously needed a big hit in the top of the tent yesterday and they didn't get it but usually you're just like oh come on just scratch the one across just at least put pressure on him and the Mariners tied the game up at the first batter of the next inning so that wouldn't have been enough at all I love you people but that also would not have been enough so oh well you lose a baseball game and you win two you win four in a row now you're riding into Dodger Stadium making a big trade a Cashman special taking three players off the roster, uh, one of whom is Oswaldo Cabrera, who's been genuinely very bad. One of them is Matt Crook, has not pitched at all since being called up. And one of them is uh, Franchi Cordero, who struck out with the bases loaded yesterday, and that was his only at-bat since being recalled. They get back Giancarlo Stanton, probably, almost definitely. Josh Donaldson, Tommy Canley. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what it means. We'll talk about pulling Nestor at the right time. We'll talk about, yes, the other shortstop prospect at AAA who's absolutely raking. And you can listen to the whole thing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews. Drop us a mailbag question in the review. We'll be more than happy to answer. But find us live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time, live streaming uh, this week. It was a Tuesday and a Thursday situation because of the holiday. But we... Didn't miss Thursday. You knew we wouldn't. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. And you're going to start us off with a promo and a little bit of a different promo for the fans. Yeah. Um, same but different, everyone. Yankees fans, Yankees haters. Who's here with us today? Raise your hand. Um, we have an offer from Caesar Sportsbook. You won't want to miss this one. I like these. These are my favorite offers. Um, new customers who sign up for Caesars, you go to Caesars.com or you download the Caesars app. Um, you get your first bet insured. Up to $1,250. All you have to do is type in the code YGY full at sign up. That's our uh, uh, sign up code here. It helps directly support the podcast. We love you if you do it. 
Um, and this is a little bit heftier than the DraftKings offer of the $150 bonus bets. Uh, this means you can lay down a huge bet and um, it's fully insured. First bet up to that amount of money is on Caesars. As long as you use that code, um, we are very thankful if you do. We need support on the podcast. We enjoy it. Community effort. Come on, guys. You know what to do. Um, if you haven't signed up yet for Caesar Sportsbook, this is for first-time users only. Don't forget it. Again, join with the code YGYFULL, F-U-L-L, and drop your first bet. Um, this offer is for available for new customers only. You must be 21 and physically present in a gambling state. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Um, yeah, I'd lay a, I'd lay a, um, a risk-free bet on maybe what? Who? Who this weekend? Severino, Cole, or Herman? I don't know. Probably uh, Severino because you're going to get yeah. the better odds with Kershaw on the mound. Yeah, that's that's the one I'm watching. Well, especially, it's not like Clayton Kershaw has not been embroiled in controversy as of late a little bit as well. Sexual um, indulgence. Just, I don't. Yeah, I I don't. They're they're probably going to show up before Pride Night to intimidate Kershaw <laughs> and their Friday night start. Um, I mean, I've liked the way Savvy's thrown the ball lately. We yeah. don't have a lot of. Dodgers Yankees recent history uh, to go from. I love the 2019 series. It was a showcase series. It was Players Weekend. Judge and Didi going yard in the black on black jerseys while the Dodgers wore white on white. Uh, it was weird, but it does make sense that the last time the Yankees were there was 2019 because this season is starting to take on this sort of 2019 vintage. We we called it 2021 Redux a lot lately. Uh, in April, especially a little bit, it wasn't they, very nice. They play with their food a lot, right? They they were up eight three in the seventh inning against the Padres just a couple of days ago, and it turned into eight five second and third no outs in the seventh. And it's like, wait, 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 no, uh, we were up by a lot. Garrett Cole is pitching. Why? Why did that happen? Um, they still play with their food a little bit, but they took care of business in Seattle this past uh, Monday through Wednesday, and and now they go into Dodger Stadium riding high. Uh, and they're going to get some of their reinforcements back and make it a little less next man uppy. Uh, Willie Calhoun in the three hole, we, we love it. It's crazy. Uh, Jake Bowers delivering with some bombs in Seattle and some sack flies and some good ABs. Again, nuts. That's weird. Like DJ LeMahieu's not hitting at all, but Willie Calhoun and Jake Bowers and IKF are going nuts. We'll, we'll talk through that Mariner stuff and which of these offensive breakouts we believe in in a little bit. But I think most importantly, this Dodgers series, they're getting the stars. Uh, they're getting Donaldson. They're getting Canely, who was really good in his rehab and was only sort of touching 92-93 in his last outing. And it was like, I think it was like walk-walk hit to start it off, and he still got through an inning with only one run on 17 pitches. He seems ready. Either way, he's probably an upgrade on uh, the Matt Crooks of the world and the last man of the bullpen. Although Ryan Weaver... Shout out, salute forever. Somehow an effortless two-inning shutting of the door the other day against Seattle. Um, We know what this offense looks like without Giancarlo Stanton every single time. Uh, Up until the last 10 days or so, it was absolutely down in the dumps since we lost him. Uh, They closed April slow because they struggled to adjust to his departure. And now he's back, uh, not ahead of schedule necessarily, but right on schedule and isn't that ahead of schedule for him after all at the end of the day um he's probably the return i feel best about just because he he is streaky but he's more likely to hit the ground running and sustain something than josh donaldson is but who are you most excited to see this weekend at chavez review i mean it's got to be stanton um i am intrigued though because canely is returning for the first time this year against the Dodgers, his former team, the team that footed the bill for his rehab before he came back to the Yankees. Very nice of the Dodgers to do that for us. Um, Canely had a rough end to his um, season with the Dodgers, uh, the elimination at the hands of the Padres and the NLDS. He pitched 12 and two thirds innings last year after not pitching at all since what uh, July of 2020, when he went down with that injury with us. Yeah. So, but no, Stanton back in back in uh, his hometown or near his hometown. Last he was there was the All Star game when he won MVP. Um, nobody's excited for Josh Donaldson. I can assure you of that. Um, That's the thing. I I like would have said I would have pressed you on it. Like, I'm honestly I'm most excited for Josh Donaldson's return. It's like, are you sure? I mean, we we go back and forth on Donaldson, but this has been the worst DJ Lemayhew stretch. Yeah. In a while. So if you're yeah. ever going to want to see Josh Donaldson back and see LeMahieu riding the pine a little bit, maybe even for two of the three games mm-hmm. in L.A., like now is the time. 
Yeah. Um, our producer just let us know, not even close to Giancarlo Stanton's home. <laughs> so thank you very much, Hunter. But uh, you never a, know because he keeps, pretend, he keeps pretending it is. So I guess yeah. you never know. Um, we don't want him in a car for eight hours. That will not help the hamstring. No. Um, so the big thing that I'm thinking about this series, Dodgers are hot right now. Best team in the National League. Uh, yes. They're making it work. Um, not exactly with spare parts because it's the Los Angeles Dodgers, but they're making it work after downgrading in the offseason. Um, so this won't be easy. Bobby Miller's on the mound for one of these games. Uh, hot prospect for them. He's uh, He unloaded on the opposition his first two career starts, uh, shut down the Braves and the Nationals. You get Clinton Kershaw on one of these. You might get lucky with Michael Grove. He's one of their other pitching prospects. Not exactly great. But here, what I am looking at is the lineup flexibility with the return of all these guys, right? So Stanton, as we've already heard, is going to be primarily a DH until the Yankees, I guess, feel comfortable easing him, him into defensive action, if that's even on the table. It should be, though, because this whole time... And even during this injury absence, he basically said, what keeps me right and what stops yeah. my hamstrings from getting injured is running around the outfield. I want to do that. And they don't trust him to play left field at Yankee Stadium. So when he does play the outfield, it gets weird because mm-hmm. they have to move Judge around or they have to, you know, go with an unorthodox center fielder. But yeah. he wants to play the outfield. So everybody listen to this whole discussion with the lens of if it were up to John Carlos Stanton, he'd be playing the outfield most days. Yeah, and the splits don't lie. We saw the splits last year. Uh, it was night and day between him playing the field and uh, and him at DH. So if he's in the DH spot for what? What do you think? Maybe the first couple weeks yeah. as they as they try to figure it out? I don't know how Aaron Boone makes this lineup more flexible. Someone is losing reps, whether it's DJ LeMahieu, whether it's Glaber Torres, whether it's Josh Donaldson. Why? Because... Aaron Boone said Josh Donaldson's going to be a full-time everyday player when he returns. That means DJ LeMahieu becomes a bench player because you're not benching Glaber Torres right now. And even if you wanted to bench Anthony Volpe at any point, the backup shortstop is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and you need him a lot in the outfield right now because of Harrison Bader's injury and the fact that you probably don't want a lineup featuring Jake Bowers and Greg Allen every single night um, alongside Aaron Judge out there. So... I don't know what they're going to do here. It looks like maybe a platoon situation with um, DJ and Donaldson at third. I don't see any scenario where Glaber Torres is benched unless he does something egregious. This is shaping up to be his best year since 2019. Um, He's been not tremendous. He's been very good defensively since his Padres gaffe on Saturday. He made a number of impressive plays against the Mariners in this series. So hoping that that is a trend moving forward, especially against the Dodgers who put the ball in play a ton. But yeah, I'm wondering what this is going to look like. Are they going to try to take DJ off his feet a little bit more? We've seen him get a number of off days in in between. Uh, we don't know what's going on, whether that's just an Aaron Boone thing, whether that's he he's, might be dealing with something because he's been injured for the last two years. But I'm looking at the flexibility here. What are you going to do now that you have somebody ba- unless unless they're literally going to go you know two games on, one game off for Stanton and be able to shuffle people into the DH spot? I don't know how flexible you can get here, especially with Harrison Bader out, especially without, you know, the truest form of a backup shortstop. Um and it's not like you are, you know, you're going to and if and again if Rizzo comes, if Rizzo's back, then that limits what DJ LeMay you can do as well. So um, very, very, it, it's not going to be the easiest for Aaron Boone. It's a good problem to have though. Cause you want Stanton in the lineup every day. Um, but we have had our gripes with this before. We don't want one singular person stuck in that DH spot because the point of the DH spot, unless you have an otherworldly DH a la David Ortiz is to allow for this flexibility, rotating players around, taking guys off their feet, giving them a little bit of rest. And in this scenario, you're not really going to get that, especially with how banged up the Yankees are at the moment. And uh, I think they got uh, lucky in a, you know, big, thick quotes with Harrison Bader's injury. Eh. I mean, not not lucky at all. And and it robs you of the ability to use IKF at shortstop. But IKF probably not a, a shortstop anyway. Um, no. he, he loves his role. He, he went on record saying, like, I feel free 
this week. I feel so comfortable. Nobody wants to be the shortstop. Even Anthony Volpe is like, apparently, like mentally, the reflection is like, am I sure I want to be the shortstop? Like, do we know? Um, so nobody seems to want that job. And IKF is not a capable shortstop, certainly not a starter. Um, so who knows? But he, so in a way, though, they did get lucky because they didn't have to lose anybody. They could call Franchi Cordero up and then send him right down. Sadly, he got an at-bat yesterday that should have gone to Anthony Rizzo because uh, this team loves lying to us. Even when the Yankees are at their best, they're still lying. They're like, Rizzo is actually probably even not going to miss a game in Seattle. Well, <laughs> he'll miss the first one, probably not the next two. He's missing the second one. Third one, he's active. Well, actually, with the bases are loaded and extra innings, he doesn't play. So clearly not ready. Um, and I guess maybe he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. But uh, if he is DJ LeMay, who I think sits, if he's not, then DJ plays first. And this is all probably a little bit easier. Yeah. But you're right. Glaber Torres is unsittable right now, especially right now, because right he's the hot time. hand. Uh, there will be a time that will come when he eventually needs time off his feet again, but not now. Uh, short requiem to for Oswaldo Cabrera. Mm. It just uh, is is not good enough right now. Uh, right, like he doesn't suck. The, the decision sucks. No, he does not suck, and this is not the end of him. And he's 24 years old, and he was the guy starting in left field in the playoffs last year. Yeah. So that's not an accident. He's gonna get run again. But a 5.38 OPS is abysmal. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly singles for Oswaldo. It's a lot of strikeouts. The slugging is extremely low, um, and he's just not a guy who. You can't justify keeping him at the major league level right now when it doesn't feel like that's what's right for his development and losing a guy like Calhoun, who has been banging since Aaron Boone said he bangs. Do we believe in Willie Calhoun as a long-term piece? Again, that's for later. But is Willie Calhoun somebody that you need to keep right now rather than risk DFAing him? Yes. It, it's Yeah. but And that's another issue with the flexibility because he's been – He's been also baked into the DH spot. Thirty. He's played 33 games. 24 of them have been at DH. So that kind of creates another issue. I don't know. But anyway, um, we can get to that in a little while. Uh, Oswaldo, great guy. We love him. Uh, we talked about his attitude um, at length and how this is a refreshing um, aspect that uh, is has graced the clubhouse. Uh, when – um, he was asked about potentially getting option yesterday. Here's what he told Chris Kirshner of the athletic. He said, the big people who provide me my motivation are my mom and dad. Every time I call them after the game, they tell me, congrats, you did a great job. They tell me this, even if I'm over four with four strikeouts, it makes me feel good because at the same time, when I know I'm struggling, you have to be grateful. Look around right now. You see how many seats are in the stadium. All these people come to watch us play. Thousands of people. We are so we are so brave because what we say in Spanish, not many people have the balls to stand there at the plate, to be on the mound, to be playing in front of so many people, telling you bad or good things. I'm grateful for this. Not everybody has this chance. Uh, kind of the exact attitude you want from a continuing developing player. Admittedly, I think we thought he'd be further along this year. We thought he was going to be a very integral uh, piece to this team, super utility guy, um, a little bit of not an upgrade, but a more athletic version of, I, I guess, DJ LeMahieu, uh in the infield at least. And then he had the capability of uh, filling in the outfield. We were very optimistic about him just starting the year at left field before the Yankees finally got their guy out there. Um, didn't work out. He's been struggling kind of in all facets. He has negative um, D war um, and O war on the year. He's subtracted Point seven wins from the Yankees so far. A little bit of a reset would be good for him. Um, hopefully he takes that positive attitude down to Scranton um, and can be back with us relatively soon because I think that he is a good future part of this team that they're going to need to build off of as, as time goes on. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, you, the attitude is better when the OPS is closer to 750 than uh, the Nate Silver line, 538. Bad. Um, and he doesn't walk, right? Last year, he walked 15 times, 154 at-bats. This year, 10 and 154. And when he's hitting, it's like, oh, cute, Oswaldo. He hacks. But when he's not hitting at all, it's like 10 walks. <laughs> like, are you out of your mind? So um, I'm good, good quotes from his parents. Again, a developing player, a 24-year-old, and someone who has shown great power at the minor league level and should be yeah. someone who attacks the short porch with regularity. Um, but this year it was not happening. So instead of losing a player, you have to demote him. Um, my only question at listening to what his parents have to say to him, have Oswaldo Cabrera's parents gone soft and woke? <laughs> no, not actually concerned. That's a loving relationship. Uh, and that's a good familial bond. I- I'm excited for him to come back uh, whenever that may be. But for the time being, they don't have you know the luxury of keeping that bat. And again, all, you know, 10 days from now, Willie Calhoun might be extremely DFA-able. We, ju- we don't know. Maybe. But, but at this juncture, I don't think you can justify losing him. And so let's, let's go into that. Let's go into the Seattle yeah. offensive explosion and do a little real or mirage situation. Uh, for Calhoun specifically, is the one I want to start with. Uh, he's been great longer than he's been bad. And mm-hmm. earlier this season – he was the guy who, uh, you know, his, people were sharing stats that were basically like, he has the lowest war of anybody since like pre-2019. Like altogether, he is one of the worst players in baseball. So when Willie Calhoun was batting like third and people and Aaron Boone was saying Willie Calhoun bangs, it's like, what are you what? even trying to convince? It was almost the centerpiece of all that Brian Cashman lying stuff when he was in the dugout being like don't count us out like Willie Calhoun batting third was the number one thing you could be like I'm gonna count you out because this guy has literally been uh, a poor producer for three plus years uh he's three for 22 in one double six k's two walks and a 390 OPS in his first seven games as a Yankee then Aaron Boone went on the Talking Yanks podcast and said he can bang 23 for 79, five doubles, three homers, only eight Ks and nine walks and an 828 OPS entering play yesterday. Of course, nobody hit yesterday. So uh, there may come a time and there probably will be when this team has to confront Willie Calhoun and say, all right, enough's enough. Like we've got more guys than we have space for and maybe you're going to go rake somewhere else, but you're going to have to do it. Um, They're running like they, they don't have room for Cole Calhoun who's going to opt out this week and has been crushing it at AAA, but how many more AAA outfielders you can you promote? They signed Greg Allen. You know, they called up Bowers. They've gone to the well a lot of times. I don't think they have room for Cole Calhoun either. And if he goes to a contender and rakes, it's just kind of like, eh, well, you know what? We had no room. We had no room for that. We're sorry. Um, I think Willie Calhoun is not a, an 828 OPS guy. Um, but I think that's enough data to say that you can't cut him loose right now. And if he struggles for three weeks, then he's gone. But, uh, for now I'm excited about it. Yeah, I can't, I think it's, it's irresponsible to call this a mirage solely because the guys played 290 career games. That is not enough of a sample size to determine somebody's true ability, especially the manner in which he's played those games. It's parts of season since 2017 So he never really got that amount of consistent playing time that you need to determine um, what a player is actually capable of. He has power. He doesn't strike out. And he's shown a willingness to be aggressive um, and attack pitches. And I think that that's really all you can ask for in a hitter, especially a supporting cast member. Um, And now that he's gotten a little bit more run and look, he's doing this. He's doing this batting a lot third and cleanup. Yeah, again, that's that's why you don't cut him because he's going from your three-hole and cleanup guy to the scrap heap. That's probably not going to happen. Exactly. It's not like he's sitting in the eight-hole, you know, uh, just picking up up the scraps, you know, being protected by a bunch of, you know, better hitters. I mean, up in that part of the lineup, he certainly is protected, but at the same time, 
pitchers are looking at the first three and they're like, great, I'm just going to attack Willie Calhoun. And he's been getting hits and he's been getting on base and he's not striking out 14 strikeouts in 33 games. He has a career strikeout rate of like 9%. I think all positives. Um, His one, his lone good year was the juice ball year in uh, 2019, 21 homers in 83 games. I think we talked about this previously. Um, infrequent playing time after that. I don't know if it was injuries or whatever, but um, it is what it is. Uh, I think he's doing what he has to do right now. I'm not going to buy stock in him for the rest of the year, but he's he's doing his role at the moment, and he's he's making the Yankees proud, making me. Proud. There will, yeah, there will likely be a time when he goes, which is a bummer. Uh, but you know, hopefully that time comes when he is struggling and and not at a time when he's heating up, and all the fans can all the fans who yelled about why Willie Calhoun is on this team on April 25th can be like, wait, now we're losing Willie Calhoun? This stinks. Like, hopefully it just runs its course naturally. Um, what about IKF? Like, are we buying the new IKF? I yes, I am buying this more than Willie Calhoun. Uh, yeah. He was miscast woefully last year um, as the Yankees starting shortstop, especially it was just a classic. Like, it was almost like when you play the telephone game, and like somebody says something about the end of the circle, it's something completely different and mangled. Like IKF was a gold glove third baseman in a 60 game season. And somehow by the end of him ending up on the Yankees, it's like, well, they got a gold glove shortstop. Like, so at the very least they've upgraded on defense. And then it's, it took until midway through the season for everyone to realize like, that's actually not true. And he's always been bad at short during his career and good at third, but he can't play third because we have Josh Donaldson. And I don't know why the Yankees went out of their way to acquire him to be their shortstop. He's a super utility man. Everybody uh, on his case last year, why does he cost $6 million for this year? Why do you tender him a contract? Uh, Ultimately, you tender him a contract because the Yankees can afford to pay a utility guy that much. And turning him into a utility guy has made him more comfortable in the role. Now, the last 11 games entering yesterday, again, nobody hit yesterday. And he had a bad at-bat extra inning, I'm well aware. Last 11 games, 382 417 OBP, OPS is 1181, three bombs, 12 RBI, slugging 765. That's not going to be Isaiah Kiner Falefa. He's not going yard every other game moving forward. He's not hitting 382 all the time. But if he's hitting 382 in one 11 game stretch, you can't rule him out uh, for doing it again later in the season. He is going to survive this year. He is uh, doing all of this while learning how to play center field and left field, two things he has not done in his life. Uh, so balancing new defensive responsibilities with a new approach. He did a great interview this week where he was like, I'm getting the worst results of my career. I don't know whether to stick with this new stance and everybody's telling me to persevere. So I will. And now all of a sudden four hit four RBI day in the second game of this Seattle series, a blowout. Um, no one's going to hit 400 all year. And certainly not a guy of Isaiah Kiner Falefa's caliber who has only pulled his uh, OPS plus up to like 84 with this ridiculous hot streak. But if he's got this in him, then he is good enough to be the bat-on-ball utility guy. Uh, Yankee fans crave this kind of hitter. Last year, he was a starting shortstop. He was miscast. Now he is exactly the guy they demanded he would be last year. And uh, mission accomplished. I believe in this. I don't believe in him hitting 380 all the time, but I believe in him being able to fill this role effectively, which is why Oswaldo Cabrera is in AAA now. Yeah, don't let Jim Cramer find out about IKF because I don't want him buying any stock. I want to keep it the way it is. Buying angry money. <laughs> uh, I'm I I'm enjoying IKF right now. Uh, why were we frustrated with IKF? We said a multitude of times he shouldn't have been tendered a contract. Why did we say that? Let's clarify that because. Um, Everything gets lost in translation. Yeah, I mean, look, if I have to wear that one too, I'll wear it. I'm, I'm I don't riding even think so... we have to wear it. I think whatever. I'm I'm riding so high on the Dalton Bar Show call that yeah. you can honestly give me like three <laughs> other ones and I'll be free. We <laughs> we said the Yankees should not tender IKF a contract because we knew that would stop them from spending more money. If this was the Yankees operating budgetless, which is the manner in which they should. Then we would say, yeah, tender him a contract, pay somebody else uh, $25 million more than you need to. I don't give a shit. But when it comes to the point where you're choosing between someone like IKF and Matt Carpenter, that's where you're going to have to have a debate. That's where people start getting frustrated. Additionally, we didn't know how he was going to be used. We, When he was brought on to be the full-time shortstop last year, everyone knew it was a bad idea. Not everyone, but most people thought it was a bad idea. 
We thought it was a bad idea. I'm sure IKF thought it was a bad idea. Why I'm sticking with IKF now is because one, as you said, he is now integrated into a role that he was born to play. He is a versatile defender. Um, he's a contact hitter. And that's how you have to use him. He is not a starting caliber player. He's a great asset to have off the bench when you have injuries like this or when you want to take somebody off their feet for a day, whatever it might be. The number one thing, though, that has convinced me to stick by IKF side is the fact that he's gotten over all these mental hurdles in New York. You know who couldn't get over the mental hurdles in New York? Joey Gallo, who kind of, you know, cried his way out of here and then avoided the media twice in series against the Yankees. Remember IKF getting booed on the way to his car yes. after Ridiculous. a playoff game getting canceled last year? Like. Yeah. These fans are some of these fans are vicious. That was ridiculous behavior. Uh, but yeah, survived and thrived and feels free. Mm -hmm. And it's great. Joey Gallo couldn't survive. Aaron Hicks could not survive. Um, and a lot of what the both of them said was it was a lot more complaining and um, you know, woe is me type discourse. Um, and look, I'd probably be doing the same thing. I can be. I've done some woe is me type yeah. discourse in my day. I mean, day. Look, yeah. the fans are relentless. We didn't endorse that. You know, you get booed when you play bad. You don't, you know, get chased out to your car or get, you know, have your family harassed on social media. No. Um, but that's the reality of the shitty world that we live in. IKF went through the gauntlet just like Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks did. You could argue it was just as bad, maybe even worse. Um, when you consider he was playing shortstop, which is every time someone comes in and plays shortstop for the Yankees, it's a very tough discussion. Um, it's a point of contention because of the history there. Um, and he's gotten beyond it and he's embraced his new role with the team and his teammates have supported him. And he has been able to build off of that and come back and contribute in a meaningful manner, especially during the Yankees best stretch of the season so far 19 and 10 in May best in baseball. So yeah, I'm now confident in IKF, not sustaining this play, but being able to contribute at an above average level when the Yankees need him and he will not be completely in his head, unable to, you know, swing a bat or field a routine grounder. It seems like he's very much beyond that at this point. He's playing two new positions that he's never played before and he's doing pretty well at them. So um, that's my vote. Buying, buying stock and IKF because of all that he's overcome. I'm also quite confident that at some point IKF will go 0 for 8 and everyone will forget that he just went uh, and hit 382. And they'll be like, what the? This guy. This guy don't do anything. This guy's still here. This guy's still here. More Greg Allen at bats, which, again, the final one. Greg Allen, uh, we loved him in 2021. Yeah. But that was the darkest stretch of the Yankee season when I was honestly being like, should we be playing Ryan Lamar more? And then he just, like, got cut. And it was like, oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, probably not, though, actually. Um, he hit his first Yankee home run, Greg Allen, uh, in, uh, in the second game of this series to make it seven, nothing, uh, Ryan Lamar, by the way, has not been back in major league baseball since that nine game stint with the 2021 Yankees, which I actually am really? surprised by that, uh, that, that, yeah, that walk-off against the Phillies. Yes, he did. Uh, he, th the funniest game of that season, that awful season when almost nothing went right. Um, but for some reason they beat the James and Tyone and a bunch of absolute nobodies beat the Red Sox like nine one on Sunday night baseball. Mm. Um, and he and Greg Allen were a big part of that. And, uh, Allen, yeah, one home run also one RBI. He's only hitting two thirty one wow. so far in, in pinstripes and in the road grays, six fifteen slugging, uh, nine Oh one OPS though. It's, it's hilarious. He's a, he's three for 13 thus far in his very short tenure again in pinstripes. Um, I'm happy with Greg Allen as the 26th man on the roster. I don't expect great things from him. And I kind of wish that he had options because yeah. I'm, I'm glad he's here. I think they can do better. And I think they probably should do better at some point this season. So yeah. I don't, I don't know if Greg Allen is here for a long time, but hopefully he's here for a good time. Well, what are we buying here? I'm buying his temporary role. Um, he's got the makeup of someone that we need to kind of diversify the roster when you talk athleticism, lefty bat, or is he, he's a switch hitter, right? Um, uh, yes. Yeah. So lefty bat, when you need a lefty bat, a uh, guy who can cover ground in the outfield, especially right now when Harrison Bader's out, um, apparently bangs too with that home run the other day. Bangs. So 
I'm buying the role at this point. I'm not going to sell him being a potential bench piece for the remainder of the year. You don't know how this is going to shake out. Very similar career to Calhoun. Infrequent playing time. You kind of know his good qualities. If he's utilized properly, he's an asset. If you are viewing him as somebody who you think can bring you more than what he's capable of, that's when it starts to get dicey, and that's when you start having these conversations of why is this person on the roster. Um, it comes down to personnel decisions and making the right moves and putting players in the right spots to succeed. If Greg Allen is the fourth outfielder or the fifth or the fifth outfielder or whatever, the the third guy off the bench, it's a role to be played. Pinch runner. Perfect job for him. Defensive replacement late in the game. If somebody needs to be taken off their feet and you're up eight to one, great. Um, for the time being, the, the the fact that he's come up this quickly from AAA with the Sox to now and has d- been able to do what he's done with the Yankees so far, um, it's only been nine games, but we've seen a lot more. We, we've seen a lot worse nine game stretches from people who came straight up from the minor leagues. Um, so, yeah, I'm buying him as the last guy on the bench type situation or, you know, the, the whatever, the the third guy on the bench with the backup catcher being the last guy since that's – Higashioka is the last guy on the bench technically um, yeah. at this point. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be squeezed off the roster eventually with the whoever we have coming back. But for the time being, give me Greg Allen. The opt-outs are beginning. Like, we got Greg Allen before that. Now Calhoun and Jorge Alfaro and, and Ben Gamble are all going to be starting to hit the market. I'm happy with Greg Allen of that of that club. Yeah. But uh, without another injury, which, uh, knocking on the wood desk, because they keep on happening, he probably will not survive Harrison Bader's return. I guess we'll have to see about that. Uh, Ryan Weber, another sad one, who eventually you're going to have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, have we gotten all we could get out of Ryan Weber? Because I think he's probably got a gotta go to but uh matt blake yelling weeb dog web dog i mean i say weeb dog some say web dog i i after watching matt blake yell that as he closed out the 10-2 win maybe he's just like a guy now i i really don't know but hey yankees fans if you're invested as we are in ryan weber's success we have an offer from caesar sportsbook today that you won't want to miss new customers get their first bet on caesar's up to 1250 1250 dollars all you have to do is use our code YGY full at sign up. That is YGY full for sign up. New customers with Caesar Sportsbook. You sign up with that code, you will not only have your first bet insured, but you will also be directly supporting the podcast. This podcast, the podcast. So if you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, join with our code YGY full and drop your first bet. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. And speaking of gambling, in a 10-2 win, Aaron Boone gambled with Nestor Cortez Jr. again yeah. in the second game of this series. This is getting tougher by the game. And five innings, two earned runs for Nestor Cortez, seven Ks, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Innings one through four are still on a different pedestal for this man uh, who he is mystified by the problem. The, the metrics don't seem to indicate that the stuff is getting markedly worse. Maybe it's the pitch clock for Nestor. Maybe it's a tough adjustment. Maybe he's not able to mess with his delivery and vary it enough the third time through the order. And so the stuff becomes predictable. All I know is that he loses everything when he hits that fifth inning. Uh, the stuff, the crispness, the location. He used to be a great control pitcher. He starts the fifth inning of this game by walking the number nine hitter on four pitches. He gets out of this inning with uh, only the two runs scored, a two-out ribby hit from Teoscar Hernandez, and then a strikeout uh, after a walk to A.J. Pollock to close it. And that's as good of a high note as you can get him out on these days. But one of these games, Aaron Boone is going to have to figure out a way to get him out of a game before things unravel. And it's almost impossible because you really, with this bullpen, which has thrown, uh, has the best ERA in baseball, but has also thrown the fourth most innings of any bullpen in baseball, which means it needs a guy like Canley and it needs fresh legs because every time your bullpen is working that hard, you are in danger of a potential down month. You can't just pull Nestor Cortez in the fourth inning and turn the game over to the bullpen for the express purpose of him feeling good about himself. If he's through four on 73 pitches, he's got to get through the sixth, right? 
But then again, he throws four brilliant innings in this one, and Aaron Boone goes to him for the fifth because you got to, and he still ends with another question mark. He ends with a question mark every single day, and at a certain point, you are really going to have to sit back and evaluate this, and maybe uh, maybe it's a, you know, Frankie Montas started a throwing program today, which mm. is sort of insane to hear. Carlos Rodon is making progress, like real tangible progress. It's still going to be another month, according to everyone, um, and maybe a couple weeks on top of that because you can't rush this guy back at this point. He's already missed enough time. But hmm. maybe when the Yankees start to get some arms back, maybe Clark Schmidt is turning an actual corner and can be a five-and-fly dominant starter instead of a three-and-not-fly bases are clogged with humanity hmm. starter. You might need to give Nestor Cortez a fake IL stint or a real IL stint if everybody else is progressing and he is not. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I think there's two things that we have to be cognizant of. Um, well, really, just one. Okay. One thing. <laughs> now I'm on board. Yeah, now you're on board. One thing. Nestor Cortez, great pitcher, great comeback story. Um, he was essentially nothing a couple of years ago, and then he revived himself, and now he's a good starting pitcher. Problem is, is the last two years, maybe we've inflated his worth a little bit in terms of his ceiling. Now you would expect somebody to continue to progress and get better each year, each year, whether that is, um, you know, surrendering fewer runs, uh, increasing your strikeout percentage, going deeper into games. Fact of the matter is, is Nestor Cortez has made 55 career starts. He averages five and a third innings in all those starts. So what's happening right now, yes, it is bizarre that he's having this much trouble three, the third time through the order or in the fifth through seventh innings or whatever you want to call it. But historically, he doesn't go that far into games. Never really has. Even if you remember last year, it was his all-star season. Let me just pull this up right now because I want to know how many games he went into. I want to know how many games he went into the seventh. I don't think there were many. One, no, two, three, four, five, six. Six games went into the seventh or later, um, and they were good starts. Seven scoreless against the Rangers, seven scoreless against the Angels, um, eight and one earned against the White Sox, seven and one earned against the Reds, um, seven and three earned against the Rays, seven and a third scoreless against the O's. Um, but he had a lot of four-inning stints in there. One, two, three, four. Bunch of five innings. So, like, this is kind of what – this is kind of who he is and what he's been doing most of the time. Now, we are in a situation here where it's like, dude, what's going on? Um, you're right. Everything falls flat. The location is terrible. Um, the uh, the pitch selection seems off. And I don't know whose fault that is because I don't really – I don't I'll, – I'll be honest with you. I don't know how PitchCom works. Um, who the fuck is relaying it? Who's demanding it? How is somebody shaking something? I, I don't and know. We'll, we'll never know. Sometimes it's the pitchers who want to do it themselves. Sometimes it's the catchers. But also, I have no could idea. All, could all be a big lie, right? Somebody in the dugout could be doing it. We don't know. It's yeah, exactly. I, you would think the pitching coaches maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, whatever is happening for that third time through the order or whatever it is, third time through the order, fifth inning, sixth inning, seventh inning, everything is off. The wheels are falling off. I don't know if it's it you have to think that there is a mental blockade here that's preventing him from doing that. Um, but you also have to realize that everything else is poor. So um, I think that at this point, the Yankees are a good baseball team. They, uh, they can't dick around too much, but they do have the luxury in allowing Nestor Cortez to maybe figure this out over his next few starts. We talked a few episodes ago when Boone kind of challenged him in the game that ended up being the loss to the Orioles. Mm -hmm. um, and I had no problem with that. That was Nestor Cortez's 10th start of the year. One third of the way through, he needs to figure out a way to get over this. Um, the Yankees still, I think, in my opinion, have the luxury to have him figure it out. I think it's more worthwhile for them to have him figure it out than not. Um, then again, some of the instances are just going to be there for you. He had a hundred, he was at 101 pitches after five the other day. That's it. Day's over. So sometimes it's going to be teed up for Aaron Boone to make the decision. Other times it won't be. I think you got to keep challenging him to get over this because guess what? If he's in a postseason start, you think if he's having mental issues with the third time through the order, he's not going to have any mental blockades when he's facing, 
um, the Astros, even in the first, second, or third innings on the road. You don't think he's going to have issues facing the Rays? You don't think he's going to have issues facing any other, you know, you have, look at the Rangers. The Rangers destroyed him earlier this year. They have best offense in MLB. Like there's a lot of reasons to be concerned and have these, these mental obstacles. So he's got to get over it for his own good because there are bigger fish to fry as the year goes on. And he's going to be relied upon to do more, whether it's going deeper into a game or whether it's just handling a high leverage outing from start until whenever he's done. He has done it a couple times this year. He went seven innings, five hits, seven Ks against Minnesota. The only mm-hmm. runs he surrendered were two solo home runs. He just went six innings, five hits, two runs, and six Ks against Toronto two starts ago. Um, so none of those mask the fact that when you get to the third time through the order, he has the worst ERA of any pitcher in Major League Baseball. Like a couple of good starts are not going to change the fact that no one has been worse than him the third yeah. time through the order. But he has done it. Uh, luckily for the Yankees, in the playoffs, if they get there, he'll get quick triggered. They will pull him early. The bullpen yes. will be more capable. There will be a starter out in the bullpen. They will be more capable of handling a short Nestor Cortez start where he's yanked at the first sign of trouble. Also pretty important, the Yankees' uh, two biggest current problems are Nestor Cortez not providing length. They won't really face that issue in the playoffs. They'll probably have the thing mapped out so they don't have to. And losing extra inning games on the road, well, no ghost runner in the playoffs. So you won't have that top of the inning choke job and bottom of the inning automatic runner. That just will not happen. It'll go back to standard extra inning games. We have no idea how they perform in those because we just haven't gotten them since last postseason and in the regular season for several years. So we shall see, but at least uh, it, it these seem like regular season problems for now, but Nestor's not a good one. So they have to figure it out. They have to figure out a way to get him out of the game, breathing fire. At least he ended this one with a nice K in what could have been a Eugenio Suarez three-run shot, make a 7 yeah. nothing game, 7-5. He got him on a high fastball. So fingers crossed that continues. Uh, we can't get to the end of a podcast without just acknowledging the elephant in the room that Oswald Peraza is red hot on fire. Yeah. Um, homered yesterday i start putting this outline together and he homered yesterday and he had five homers in seven games then he tied the game in the ninth with another homer and i had to be like oh cool like between in the one hour between when i started pulling this together and the now the here and now he's homered again uh there's really no room for him at the major league level right now i don't know who people want to demote um I, he is an infielder only the infield glut is horrendous uh, i guess you can make an argument for dfaing josh donaldson and calling Peraza up, but you can't make that argument until Josh Donaldson comes back and sucks. Uh, So for now, we just have Oswald Peraza at AAA hitting 347 with a 1061 OPS and nine home runs in 95 at-bats. And you just have to kind of smile and nod at and go, yep, very good, because there's really no other solution here. No, you got four outfielders right now, and one of them is a fake outfielder. Two of them are minor league outfielders. So um, you need all the – if you were to DFA somebody, yeah, you could argue Josh Donaldson. You know they're not going to do that. Um, next on the chopping block would be Allen or Bowers or Calhoun. Um, I guess you could make the argument for Calhoun because he doesn't play the field as often as you would need him to. But again, his bat is hot. Uh, Peraza had a little bit of an opportunity in the beginning of the year. He wasn't able to cash in. Um, yeah, it's a tough argument because some players are just good AAA players and not major league players. I don't think that that's Oswald Peraza's calling. Um, or at least I hope not. Um, but there's far too many people out there saying, oh, he's raking at AAA. This is this is not a minor league player. It's like, it might be, though. I hope not, but it might be. And then you have the – there are other factors here. They chose Anthony Volpe over Oswald Peraza. That's the reality. Glaber Torres can't be sit right now. That's also the reality. They have two third basemen in DJ LeMayhew and Josh Donaldson. They don't need a third. IKF can also play third base. Um, when Cabrera was here, he was playing third base. So, um, I would like Oswald Peraza up sooner rather than later. I don't know what that is, what that situation is going to look like. Um, I don't know who you take reps away from again, unless Donaldson comes up and he's absolutely dreadful and they figure out a way to get rid of him. That's one of the few ways I think they can make room. Um, they're not doing anything drastic with Anthony Volpe. Um, unless Glaber Torres has another August of 2022, I don't see him losing any playing time anytime soon. So yeah, it's just one of the, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough conversation. You want to talk about the Dodgers fans have been wondering the same thing with Michael Bush, one of their top five prospects, um, versatile player, 
uh, lefty bat, came up, got some clutch hits, right back down to the minors, raking in the minors. Sometimes that's just life until situations clear themselves uh, out or, you know, transpire in the manner that they need to, to, to make room for that player. But don't be complaining Oswald Peraza's at AAA. There's, there's nothing that can be done at the moment. Um, and it's better that he's getting everyday reps down there and raking for his confidence rather than him being up here, being a part-time player and then getting the infrequent playing time and then feeling the pressure of, Oh man, this is my first game in three days I need to deliver. And then he has that mental aspect weighing him down. Now he can just play until he's needed on a full-time basis, whenever that may be. Um, and that will probably be a better scenario for him. Agreed. It just is the way it is. Here comes Yankees Dodgers this weekend, Yankees Red Sox for the first time all year next weekend. And the weekend after uh, June gets real, the Yankees are uh, only six games out of first place. They were this close to being four games out. They, they score like two runs in that game and win it. And the Cubs have the capacity to come back late on Tampa. Uh, they almost did it. Uh, they almost swept them. They didn't. But it, it's six, right? It's six. It's attainable. It's possible. They're going to make a run at the Rays before this thing is over. And so will the Orioles. Uh, the Rays are not unbeatable. They're 40 and 19. Very impressive. Very impressive. Good record. Not uh, too far ahead of the rest of the pack right now at all. Um, Rays fans came after me. I made a little fucking joke, and everyone's taking it taking it seriously. Ian Happ got rung up yesterday in a 3-2 pitch that was crazy borderline. Not, borderline. Not even borderline. No, it wasn't. You don't think so? No, it was outside. Okay, cool. Um, that's fine with me. I'm not going to yell at you. Uh, I said call the cops because it was a 3-2 uh, count and there were runners on second and third and it was a run one run game in the eighth rung them up with two outs sent them packing to the to the ninth um and then everyone's telling me i can't cry and whine about a bad strike three call especially when it was that close and ian Happ should be protecting the plate a take that i don't necessarily agree with but one i wasn't crying two if i wanted to cry i would fucking cry and you would have no choice but to listen to me cry um and three um, if robot ups existed, that would have been a bases loaded situation and the Rays would have been crapping down their leg once again, like they did in the first two games of the series. So, um, and then someone was telling me that Wander Franco should have been called safe in the first inning the day before on a replay review. That was incorrect. It was correct. He was out. And secondly, it would have been the Rays only run of the day and it was because of an error. So they couldn't even score on an error. And they definitely couldn't score by getting hits. And that's what you're, you're going to come back to me and tell me that the Rays got hosed because they didn't score on a misthrown ball. I don't know what, what I, I just don't get it. People are who, fi who finds this. I tweet all day, especially during, and, they, and you find this tweet. Everyone finds this tweet and I get seven responses to it. I yeah, found an umpire. I found an umpire's burner in your mentions. There's an old man. Yeah who uh, responded, oh, contraire, umpires are graded on every call and every pitch. As yes. a group, they are the most supervised individuals at the game. Wondering <laughs> what effect gambling has on fans? And then he responded again that umpires are, as a general rule, far better than in previous generations. I, I guess that's true, but I'm not talking about umpires from the 1960s. I'm talking about here and now. This call was bad. Bad call. Um, but yeah, I thought he should have been protecting the plate, perhaps, but it was still a ball. It was still a ball. Here come the Dodgers, though, with the uh, with the Rays in the Yankees' sights. Prediction for the series, uh, I'm going to stay pessimistic. I don't think there's any shame in this. I think the Yankees win only the middle game. But again, there's nothing wrong with losing to Clayton Kershaw and Bobby Miller on the road in L.A., Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers are equally as hot as the Yankees. The Yankees had a 19-10 and 10 record in May. I think the Yankees take one of these games and still feel pretty good about themselves and then enjoy their Monday off day. They, again, do not play on any Mondays in June, which is deeply weird. Uh, what say you? Ah, damn. When I'm optimistic, it never works out. When I'm pessimistic, I don't even know what happens. I feel like life is just normal. Um, I think two out of three. Uh, the Dodgers are admittedly on fire. However, um, I don't like their bullpen it's a very bad bullpen it's not a reliable bullpen so if the yankees can chase one of these starters out i'm sorry one of the starters out of miller 
and Kershaw and get them out before the sixth. I think that really plays well into the Yankees hand. Um, the Michael Grove game that that's, that's simply got to be a win. It's Garrett Cole versus Michael Grove. Um, the other, uh, the other issue I have with the Dodgers is that they kind of punked on mostly the Padres and like the Brewers this month. They had that and the nationals, they had that nice series against the Braves, but I'm sick of hearing about the Braves, dude. I'm really sick of it. You really are. I am. Everyone thinks they're the best fucking team ever. And now you're seeing that they are, they're still good, but I think the loss of Dansby Swanson is hurting them. And the fact that they have no starting pitching at this point is going to hurt them later on. So clip this for later. Um, Either way, Dodgers pitching got destroyed by the Rays. Um, The Nationals creamed them yesterday. I know we're not getting Noah Syndergaard in this. Oh, the Cardinals completely, the Cardinals took three of four from them and scored 16, 10, and six in their in St. Louis's three victories. So um the only thing I'm worried about is JD Martinez absolutely whipping my ass because he's having a career he's having like another career year. He's batting 278 with a 931 OPS. He's like he's like better than Mookie Betts at the moment. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, there's no denying uh what this team is capable of right now. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, uh Will Smith, JD Martinez. Uh they got an infusion of young talent. Um, but the way the Yankees are hitting the ball, the way the Yankees have been resilient, the way the Yankees are responding. Um, I think if they can have one of the two uh, Severino Herman games go their way in terms of the Yankees offense, being able to chase one of the starters, I think that one of those is definitely a win. So I'm going to go two out of three for the Yankees day off white Sox, And then our first series against the red Sox. let's roll into it. Come on, start June off nicely. And it is true that nobody hit Bryce Miller, the Mariners pitcher. Aaron Judge hit the first home run of the year off him. Jake Bowers hit the second, and the Yankees scored 10 runs and won that game. So just writing the Yankees off against Bobby Miller is a fool's errand. Crazy. That said, I'm still going to go pessimistic here just because I'm managing my own expectations. But they could easily win all three of these games. They could easily lose only the Garrett Cole game. Like that could be a that could be a twelve eight loss uh, with Michael Grove on the other side. I, I don't know, um, but I'm gonna stick with they win the middle. They sandwich two losses around it. We leave the series basically going, hey, that was fun. Let's do it again in October. Uh, yeah. But yeah, let's roll into the White Sox. Let's roll into the Red Sox. Uh, first Red Sox series is at home. Of course, we go to Dodger Stadium, and the Red Sox uh, on the balanced schedule get to welcome the Dodgers to Fenway instead of having to go out there is anybody shocked by that not really mm. uh but the red sox are okay they're a 500 team right now they just lost two to the reds uh think of how much better they'd be if they had jd martinez instead of justin turner and xander bogarts instead of uh nobody instead of kike hernandez at short and uh yu chang and and think about just they'd just be better if they just had the better players who they decided they, they didn't want to have they just actively were like we sh- we'll be okay but we could be better, but we won't be. And and that's been nice so far. Uh, so let's see what happens next weekend. That is it. We will be right back here on Monday recapping the Dodgers series. Again, having an off day. It'll be nice. It'll be relaxing. Just like today, Yankees getting some breathers. Welcome to back. Canley, Donaldson, and Stanton. Big old weekend series, and I'm ready to have a little summer fun. It's June. It's real. It's happening. May is gone. May was great. Let's make June even better. You can find us here at 2 o'clock Eastern Mondays and Thursdays, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all podcast platforms. And don't forget, promo YGY full for Caesar Sportsbook. If you are a first-time user, they will really help you out and back up your bets. I am Adam Weinrich. I'll always be Adam Weinrich. You can find me at Adam Weinrich on Twitter. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. I'm not sure I will always be Thomas Carinante, though. You never know. You could no. change your name change your identity. Things happen. A couple things that we forgot to point out real quick. Um, Aaron Hicks, flawless debut with the Orioles. um, Also grew a beard in what? Four fucking days. Every fucking Yankee who leaves this team just immediately grows facial hair. It's absolutely infuriating. Um, Not that I like the facial hair policy. It's just crazy how everyone's just itching to facial hair. Everybody wants facial hair. I hate facial hair. I guess that's why. I, yeah, I don't hate it. I used to I hate, hate it. it. Now, now I'm kind of down. I, hate it. I shaved this morning. I'm fucking sick of it. It itches. It, it's it. annoying. It makes your face feel greasy. So that's one. Um, good luck to Aaron Hicks in Baltimore. Secondly, Gary Sanchez got his second start with the Padres. Um, hit a home run. Only run of the game for the Padres. 1-0 lead going into the bottom of the ninth. And then the most insane defensive 
laps that you will ever see. Um, the uh, Marlins scored the game. Yuli Gurriel was at second base. Gene Segura ripped a single into left field. It was like a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. He hammered it to Juan Soto. Juan Soto hits a cutoff man. Cutoff man turns around to throw it home. Nobody is there. Ball goes to the backstop. Gary Sanchez was making his way up the first baseline. Go watch the replay. I don't know why he was doing that. Nonetheless, they had Yuli Gurriel dead to rights with the tag out. He scores game tied. Gene Segura gets the second as the ball hits the backstop. Next batter, single, walk-off loss for the Padres. Unbelievable what his la- what Carrie Sanchez's start to the season has been between getting released by the Giants because they didn't think he was good enough to be on the MLB roster out of the minor leagues. Then Mets fans wanted him gone after three games, and now he adds to the Padres by hitting a home run and then immediately subtracts by, I don't, what was he doing? I will I will say he homered again today and the Padres lead 10-1. So cool. that that's good. Uh yeah, he I guess he didn't notice that Hassan Kim was taking the cutoff throw because he just sort of lined up behind him and then there was a guy there already doing that. And then when it came time to go cover the plate, he was just off doing whatever it is that he does. Uh not quite as bad as the time he dropped that he just didn't get the tag down with the runner 35 <laughs> feet staring him in the face against the Mets, but still still pretty bad and like not a catcher. So nope. wish him the best though. Nice home run today, Gary. Wish him the best. Another bomb. Tatis just cleared the bases. Things are going well cool. for the San Diego Padres. Things are going well for the Yankees too, though. And hopefully, uh, for our sakes, the pods stay hot. The Yankees stay hot. And then the Dodgers have to look down in the standings like, oh, boy. Uh, let's go, Yankees. We'll see you back on Monday. Let's have a fun little rivalry weekend. Brooklyn throwback. Uh, let's get after it. We'll see Let's go. You.